0: you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and damaged. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word.
1: supernatural power god doesn't have to have something to work with does he use things yes he does but is he bound to stuff no he's not supernatural power is god saying let me just super ride everything else and give to you what you need and i'm so thankful for that Have his supernatural power working for you it's placing your life the blessed life it's placing your life under a blessing Instead of placing yourself under a curse. And we've discovered that the blessed life is a life that says, God, you first. You first. Come on, there should be an amen right there. Come on, the blessed life is saying, God, you are first in my life. Giving him our first fruits. Giving him our firstborn. Giving him the tithe. And he, in return, promises to redeem or take care of of the rest of your life. Look at the scripture again from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Now please, as we're teaching once again on this subject, don't say, oh, all they're doing is talking about money. No, we're not. We're talking about the blessed life. We're talking about your life being blessed. And we know that it does deal with the fact of obedience and giving to God. That is just what God's word says. But it's more than just finances the blessed life. Malachi 3, verse 10 says, and try me now in this, God says, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. How many wants that such a blessing? God says, I can pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. But how do we get this blessing? God says, put me to the test. Let me prove myself. In other words, God is asking every one of us, will you trust me? Doug just said it so beautifully today. Will you trust God? In our circumstances and situations, we can see the wind and we can see the waves. And I think there's something so great in that story too that Doug shared today, and that is this. The Bible says that Jesus would have passed them by Did you know that? The Bible says that Jesus would have passed them by. How many times does our supernatural redeemer, the one who is able to meet every need in our life, how many times perhaps does he pass us by? Why? Because our eyes are more on the storm. Our eyes are more on the problems. Our eyes are more on the bills. Our eyes are more on the fact that we can't do things that our eyes are not looking unto Jesus. Come on, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. So Jesus says to every one of us when he says, put me to the test, prove me. He's challenging every one of us to have complete faith in his ability to work on your behalf. And therefore, as I just said, by faith, we don't respond to the need. So many times our needs are so great and they are so real. They're a real thing, our needs. I mean, if you're sick, that's real. If you're financially broke and you don't have money to pay bills, that's real. Come on. If your refrigerator... Our refrigerator broke down this week. Isn't that ridiculous? I've been saying, devil, you can't have my refrigerator. I'm a tither. And you know what? My refrigerator didn't come back on and I was disappointed. I was like, God, I've been preaching on this, and you know what God said to me? Philip, it's a test to see if you will still remain to keep trusting me. Come on, sometimes our needs can look so big that we respond to our need. What does our need say? Don't give. Our need says we can't afford to give. Our need says it's stupid to give if we need already ourselves, because in giving, you'll never get. That's what our need will tell every one of us. But you know what faith says? Faith says, take your need, plant a seed, and watch as God can produce a harvest. That's what we do when we give to God. We don't respond to our need. We say, God, I'm going to be faithful in perhaps the little and not much that I do have. But as I plant that seed, God, I believe today that I'm going to reap a harvest. Turn to your neighbor and say, Don't eat your seed. Come on, don't eat your seed. Come on, no seed in the ground. No harvest. Remember when Jesus was out on the hillside with thousands of people and they said to him, or Jesus said to his disciples, go and feed them. And they said, are you ridiculous? I mean, how can we feed these people? And Jesus said, go and find what you had. And there was just one little boy's sack lunch that he was probably sat down on the hillside and he had opened his little brown paper bag and he was ready to dig in and eat his fish sandwich. And he probably had it almost up to his mouth and the disciples came to him and said, Hey, son, you want to see Jesus? Can you imagine what that little boy said? Yeah, he dropped his sandwich in there, rolled up his brown paper bag and he took that bag and he went. But what would have happened that day if he would have eaten the seed? The multitude would never have been fed. But listen, this is how great God is. Remember, he said that there'll be not room enough to contain it. Why did Jesus, I often have asked this question, Jesus, why did you not just give enough to meet the need? Why 12 baskets left over? And I've heard other messages and other thoughts being preached on this. Obviously, it was 12 disciples, so they said it was a basket for each disciple to just build their faith. Could have been. But I believe God wants to show every one of us that if we don't eat our seed... If we don't respond to our need, but yet we sow our seed. And we trust God for a harvest that God says, I've got more than enough to meet your every need. God says, I've got more than enough. Your need will forever cause you to eat your seed. That need, if you listen to it, will forever cause you to eat your seed, but no seed, no harvest. No increase in your life. So what we've discovered as we've looked at this series is this. The tithe is of utmost importance. Our giving to God is of utmost importance. In fact, I believe from God's Word it's a necessity for our lives to be truly blessed of God. Because it's a life that no longer desires to rob God from his ability to provide. It's a life touched by God. Every time I say those words, a life touched by God, it's almost like I get like a shock go through my system, like chills go through my system, because I begin to think about what an incredible thought, a life that is touched by God. A life that God wants to touch And be involved. in. look at Malachi 3 and verse 8 and 9. The scripture says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? And God says, You have robbed me in the tithes and the offerings. And therefore you are cursed with a curse. Because you have robbed me. Notice how it says that we have robbed God in two areas. We've robbed God in our tithes and in our two very different things: our tithes and our our tithes and their offering. They're not the same thing. There's something very much different. I'm going to begin today by illustrating once again and recapping once again what the tithe is, so we can understand the difference when we come to the offering part. The tithe is given back to God, which is already His. Okay? Agree with me? The tithe is given back to God, what is already His. Even if you don't agree with me, that's what it is. That's the truth. 100% of everything that you have is already God's. We're not going to go into great detail, but it is. The talents, the abilities, everything you have is because God gave those to you. So 100% is already his. He just asks us to give back 10%. 10% is where the word tithe comes from. Tithe means one-tenth or 10%. So he just asks for 10% back. So when we look and we think, wow, God, you're so mean, we've got to realize he's so gracious because 100% is his. He allows us to keep 90%. Instead of thinking, wow, he wants that from us, he allows us to keep 90% because 100% of it is already his. And I've realized this, the 100% curse, never, never, I said never, will go further than 90% that's blessed by God. You can try and do your math and you can try and figure out, but I'm telling you now, it's illogical because the things of God, you can't work them out logically. How can 90% go more than 100%? Why? Because you put God in the mix and everything changes. Supernatural. Come on, say that with me. Supernatural. That's the supernatural ability of God in my life. Let me illustrate this to you today, and I've used this illustration before, but it's a good one that will help, I hope. This is what we do with our time. This watch is mine. Here, Fred, have that watch. So I've just given Fred something that is what? It's already mine. Okay? It's already mine. So what happens if Fred turns around and gives that watch back to me? What has he done? Has he given me something? What has he done? He has just returned back to me that which is already mine. What you have just seen demonstrated there is the tithe. God has given to us, but yet when we give back, we think, oh, I've just given something. No, you haven't given anything to God. You have just returned back to God that which is already His. So therefore, tithing is not really given. Tithing is returning. I want you to hear this today. We think we're doing so well when we give our tithes, and we are, and we're given in obedience to God. But tithing is not really when the giving starts, because tithing is just returning to God that which is His in the first place. So when I pay my tithes, we've been so wrong for so many years by saying, I'm giving to God my tithes. No, we're not. When we pay our tithes, we are bringing our tithes to God. And understand this, God is pleased with that. God asks for the tithe. That's, that's his portion and he wants us to put him first and, and through that that we'll be blessed. And notice the stance of a giver. I love the stance of a giver. The stance of a giver is when I give, what happens? I have my hand open. And my hand is open because it's given. But now my hand is in a position that it can receive. As long as my fist is clenched, as long as I'm in this stance, there's no way that anything can be given into my life. But when my hand is open because I'm returning to God, that which is His, God then says, I can return back to you. Supernatural blessings beyond your wildest dreams. So our giving or returning or bringing to God, we should never do so in the motive of, oh, I want to receive. God knows, the Bible tells us, the motives of our hearts. I don't have this scripture, I believe, on the screen. but We read it in Luke chapter 11, I believe it is, or Luke chapter 6, verse 38. And God says these words. He says, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And we love that scripture and we get excited about it and we should. But if we would read that whole passage there, we would realize that this whole verse or this whole passage is dealing with the motive of our hearts. It's not so much the gift that we're given, but it's the way in which we are giving the gift to God. So many of us look at God as a spiritual powerball. I'm just going to pay my tithes today and then I'm going to get millions back. So many people look at God and, and giving their tithes as a spiritual ATM machine. Well, God, I gave you $100, so you've got to give me 1000 back. Can He bless you? Yeah. Will he bless you? You better believe it. But it's not with a motive like that that we'll receive the blessing of God. It's when we put God first and we're stewards with what God has given us. It's when we bring our tithe and say, God, I'm going to bring to you that which is already yours, but I'm bringing it to you from a heart of love and generosity, expressing gratitude for everything that you've done. In the Old Testament, we see obligation. In the New Testament, we see cheerful, happy, hilarious, giving. So we're not giving our tithes, or we shouldn't bring our tithes as an obligation, because we're not under law. But we're cheerful, happy, a willing giver to God. We talked about this, and I'm not going to revisit it, but tithing is a principle, not a law. It's a principle of life for you and your family. It's a principle that will change your life. It's an unchanging principle given to us by an unchanging God. But then say these words with me, and offerings. So we've talked about the tithe, God's portion, returning to Him. But God says we've robbed Him in tithes and in offerings. So this is something totally different to our tithes. This is something above and beyond the tithe that we bring. Really, to be honest with you, this is the realm where we can really truly say that we're given to God. In the offerings is where we really truly are giving to God. While Jesus ministered here on this earth, there were many important lessons and teachings that he taught his disciples and those around. But I believe one of the greatest messages that he taught the people of that day that still is a lesson that we need to learn today is this. Jesus taught them, to go the extra mile. Jesus taught them to go beyond what was just expected and go that extra mile. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read from there today. We're going to read from verse 38 through 41. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 and through 30, 40, 41. Sorry, put my wrong teeth in this morning. 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other cheek to him. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, what does Jesus say? Go with him too. When Jesus taught them teachings such as this, he taught this in the sermon that was known as the Sermon on the Mount, where he gives them the Beatitudes, the attitudes that need to be in our life. And he goes on and he continues to teach. And this is one of the subjects he taught. People didn't like this. This didn't really sit well with them. Why? Because for many years now, they had got used to just doing what the law had required. And that was a tough pill to swallow. But at least now they understood they had to do that. So that was just part of their everyday life. But now Jesus says to them, I want you to do more. I want you to go further than that which the law demands. Why? Because they're not no longer under law, because through his liberty and his death and resurrection, they're now under grace, and we discovered that grace requires more than what the law does. Because grace all supersedes the law. It goes beyond. When Jesus said to them, if someone tells you to go one mile, go with them too. you You've got to understand, back in those times... It was a law that was handed down from the Persian. It was called the Persian law, but there was a law of those times that any Roman official or soldier at any time could grab anyone that they want. They could commandeer that person. They could take their horses. They could take their cart. They could take their family. They could do whatever they wanted without prior notice and they could turn around and say, hey, you come over here, carry my stuff for a mile. Can you imagine when the soldiers and the officials went? The city was probably like a ghost town. Everyone hid because they knew what was coming. That a soldier or an official could turn around and say, carry this, and by law they had to carry their stuff. But can you imagine or can you see the picture of what takes place? One mile is 1,700 and 60 yards, which they say, if you would average it out, is about 2,000 steps for the average person. So, can you see that all of a sudden this person is grabbed from a crowd, or he's grabbed from his home, his horse is taken, his family's taken, and they're all made to carry a burden that is not theirs to carry? But the law demands that they have to do it for. One mile, 1760 yards, 2,000 steps. Can you see what they did? One, two, three, four, five, a thousand, halfway there. Ah, oh, can't wait to get rid of this. 1,500, 1,501, almost there. 1,995, 1,996, 1,997, 1,998, 1,999, 2,000, threw it down. They were allowed by law to take not one step further, but by law at that 2,000 step, they were able just to throw down the burden that they bore and looked at that person and said, see you later, buddy. Jesus said to them, go another 2,000 paces. Jesus said, go that extra mile. Can you imagine? Soldiers probably knew too what was happening. And all of a sudden they were waiting. And the person took the 2,000, the first step, 2,002, 2,003. They're thinking, what's going on? Can you hear the stir? What's the deal? You're not bound by law anymore. They probably said to the person, hello, you've fulfilled your duty. But Jesus is teaching them something here that I believe every one of us as children of God need to grab a hold of and that is this, to go the extra mile, to go beyond your obligation. To go beyond, as we've been talking about, just the tithe of returning back to God. But why? Why? Because I believe that Jesus was trying to show the people of that day, just like he's trying to show every one of us today, that true rewards can be found in the second mile. Anyone can walk the first because everyone has to, by law but not everyone has to go the second mile. Jesus is trying to show us, I believe, that when we are willing to step into a place beyond that which is just required, there's a new reward. I believe this is a principle, or rather, I believe this is a picture of what we see of the offerings. The tithe is the first mile. But the offerings is going beyond that which is expected, that which is required. The second mile or the extra mile, I believe, is where our heart will take on a whole new identity. What do I mean by that? Because now all of a sudden we start to give out of pure love and pure gratitude for God. Total thankfulness to God, not considering the cost any longer, but willing to give God above that which is required. And when I say required, I don't like that word, but yet that's what it is. The tithe is required of every one of us. Turn to John chapter 12, if you would. John chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 1. And we're going to read through verse 8. John chapter 12, verse 1, talking once again about going the extra mile, stepping beyond that which is just required. And it says this in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary, which is Lazarus' sister, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Mary took a pound of very costly oil, a spike knot, and she anointed the feet of Jesus, and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of of the oil. Verse 4, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray Jesus, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box and he used to take what was put into it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor that you have with you always. But me, you do not have always. haven't got time, but the words that Jesus said, this she did for my burial, is incredible. Because when they took Jesus down from the cross, and they laid him in a tomb, It was the Sabbath day after that. They could not anoint Jesus' body. In fact, that was when the disciples or when Mary and the ladies went back to the tomb when the angel came. What were they going to do? They were going to anoint Jesus. It's absolutely incredible that Jesus was anointed for his death before he even died because of the obedience of someone who stepped out. This story is, I think, a pretty amazing story because in this story we see such an incredible offering we see something that was given beyond that which was required we see a second mile offering that has been given in the story but in this story we also see two extreme contrasts because we see Mary the giver And we see Judas, the taker. Did you catch that? Mary the giver and Judas the taker. Mary longed to give God a sacrificial offering. She didn't consider the cost. Where Judas questioned the gift and said, Hey, that's a waste. What a waste. What a waste pouring out all of that. In Matthew's account, it says that the disciples were indignant, that the whole crew was, but here specifically in Luke we read, it was Judas that was the one who was leading the complaints. And as I began to think about that, the contrast of the hearts, God began to question me in the state of my heart, and I began to look, and I wrote down this thought, how does your heart see this story? What's your response to this story? What a waste. Oh, wow, that must have been absolutely incredible to give such sacrificially to God. Just to pour out everything upon Him. How does your heart see this story? How does your heart respond to this? The amazing fact is Judas is telling the truth when he talks about what a waste it was because that oil could have been sold for 300 denarii, he was telling the truth. You know 300 denarii was the average yearly wage? One year's wage that she came and gave that day. Now, whether you make minimum wage or whether you make a good wage, whatever Spectrum or whatever degree you're on. Come on. One year's wage, whatever way you look at it, is still a whole lot of money. That's a lot of money that she gets. And I love how Mark tells the story. Mark tells the story like this. He says these words She broke the flask. She broke. The flask. And anointed his head. Tommy, have you got that bottle of water still? you got that? No? Fred, let me have your Coke a second. Is that, can I steal your water? That's better because I don't want to drip Coke everywhere. It's an incredible thought to think that she could have so easily taken the flask, she should, could have so easily taken the lid off. And she could have just poured it out. But notice here, if you're taking a lid off and you're just pouring it out, you can stop at any time. You can put the lid back on. And you can cash back in what you haven't used. But the Bible says, she broke the box. She literally threw it down. that The container smashed that there was no way, even if she wanted to, that she could recollect or regain or take back that which she had just sacrificed and given to Jesus. She gave with no intent of return. But she gave because she loved him. What a contrast to that which we see of Judas. Waste that could have been given to feed the poor. It could have been used for a better purpose. Disgraceful. What a waste. We read earlier, though, that John chapter 12, verse 6, he spells out and he exposes exposes Judas straight away for what he is. Look what it says again. This Judas says not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Stop there for a second. Can a man rob God? Isn't a rob and a robber and a thief the same thing? Can a man rob God? But how have you robbed me? You've robbed me in the tithes and in the... Judas is looking and saying, what a waste. It wasn't because he cared for the poor. It was because he was a thief and he had the money box, the Bible says. And you know what he did? He'd dig in for himself. He would take out of that money box that which was not his in the first place. Wow, hello. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? We've just been talking about this. He would take that which was not his and use it for his own means. Jesus didn't care about others. It was all for what he could get out of it. Come on, he was one of those W-I-F or whatever it is. What is it? W-I-F-M people. What do you mean? What's in it for me, people? That's why Judas hung around with Jesus. He didn't really care. He hung around with Jesus for what he could get from Jesus. Come on, I know a lot of people who come to church, not because they want to give to God, they just come because what they could get from God. God, help us. Come on. He just followed Jesus for what he could get from him. And when he realized Jesus wasn't going to come through in the way he hoped for, Judas betrayed Jesus. Sold him out. Sold him out to the religious leaders of that day. You don't know the number of times I've heard people say these words, God owes me. God owes me. You better be very careful when you start saying words like that. Because the Bible says that God is no debtor to man. What does that mean? That God is not in debt to any man who has ever walked and who will ever walk the face of this earth. Not only are those words, God owes me, very dangerous, they're very misguided words. You and I are so far indebted to God. That there is nothing that we could ever possibly closely do that could ever pay back that which God has done for our lives. So, how can we even imply such a statement like that? But that's how many are today. I come to church, I do this, God, you owe me. That's called having the wrong attitude. Come on, that's having the wrong heart. That's someone who perhaps doesn't even live in the first mile, but will second will surely never grace the second mile. You see, it's never about what I can or you see, it's it's never about what I can do for him with those type of people. But it's all what can I get? And what we'll see from those kind of people is they seldom give, and if by chance they do, it's only to get. Because it's completely given with ulterior motive. That's called a selfish spirit that cares about nothing and no one else but self. One who will always find good reason not to give and to be generous. But again, how does your heart see this story? When you look at Mary, when you look at Jude, when you look at the situation, how does your heart see this story? You and I are being tested with what we have. You've heard that many times through the course of this series and you'll hear it many times in the future because that's what really faith is, being tested with what we have, whether we'll trust God, whether we'll believe God, whether we'll put Him first. Tested, tested. You and I have being tested specifically in our stewardship. Stewardship is being entrusted with that which is not ours. Again, the tithe, everything we have, it's already His. It's stewardship. What are we doing? Are we willing to give that? Or are we going to be selfish? Luke chapter 16 and verse 11 and 12 says this, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, Now we found out mammon was the spirit of the world, so here specifically it's talking about if we're not faithful with the unrighteous riches, the wealth of this world, if we're not faithful with those things that have been given to us, who will commit into your care or into your trust true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? See, God's putting us to a tra- test with this mammon, this, this money, these riches, everything that we have. God is putting us to the test. But we see clearly here from this passage that if we're faithful, come on, faithful means full of faith. It means that our faith is full, faithful. If we have faith to trust in God, to return back to Him, that which is already His, and our offering. God says this, he who is faithful in those things will receive what? True riches. Come on, did you catch that? True riches. Now, true riches can involve financial miracles and blessings, but they're not limited to just those things. Come on, if I was to ask some of you for the most valued thing that you desire in your life, most of you wouldn't even say anything to do with money because you want your kids saved. You want to see your family turned around. You want to see healing in your body. You want oppression to go. You want all these things. Why? Because money cannot buy those kind of things. And God says to every one of us here that if we are faithful to him, he will give us true riches. And I have to believe that true riches is our families getting saved, that God supplying all of our needs, not just financially, that we'll see lives change, transform miracles, that we'll be able to help others like we've never helped them before. That There will be supernatural involvement and change that will take place. True riches, I believe, though, only can be found in the second mile. Mary came to Jesus with a heart overflowing with love and gratitude. That love translated itself into worship through an offering of great price. An offering that went well above and beyond what was expected and required. It was an extra mile offering. It was a second mile offering. Judas wanted to keep, to get, to build his kingdom. Where Mary was willing to give everything she had in order to bless her king. Now, don't think today for one second that I'm saying that we should give everything that we have. I'm not saying that. God's not requiring for us to do that. We know what's required. We know what's expected. That's our tithe. That's returning to God. But when we step into the offerings, it is out of a pure love and a heart of giving unto God. You can give without love. But there is no way that you can love without giving. You can give without love. I've used this before. We give every day to the IRS. We give to what Medicaid and all the whatever the things our taxes go to. We give to all these things. We're giving into something that's broke. We don't like that. But when we love, we cannot help but giving. You see, the heart of being a Mary and a Judas is a battle that rages amongst every one of us. Every one of us, we battle here. Are we a Mary or are we going to be a Judas? Are we going to be selfish or are we going to choose to be generous? Am I going to allow my life to be ruled by selfishness or am I going to release generosity into my life? I cannot speak for any others in here today, but I can speak for myself and my family, Kelly and I we look for ways to give into the second mile. I said we look for ways to give into the second mile. We thank God for what He's given to us and the blessings that He's given and we're faithful with returning our tithes but we look for other opportunities because of the love and the joy that we have for God that we can give into the extra mile. But you know what, we've even taken a step further and that is this goal, we don't want to just give to the extra mile, we want to live. In the extra mile. Kelly and I pray this almost every day. God, everything that we have is yours to use. God, everything that we have, our home, our finances, whatever we have, God, it's yours to use. Why? Because we desire to live in the second mile. Why? Because we love God so much. Let's talk about generosity, if we would, for a moment. To many of us in here, generosity would be the thousands or the millions. Add a few zeros, that's generous. Come on. If someone came up right now and gave you a dollar, you would look and say, well, thanks, but that's not very generous. Come on, someone may slip you a 20 or a 10, and you may look and go, well, that's great, but man, it could have given me more. I mean, we look at those and say it's not generous. Now, if someone came up to you right now and gave you a thousand bucks, I'm sure every one of us in here would say, well, now that was a generous gift. Someone gave you a million dollars. You would be saying, ha, 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 that is really generous. Thank you very much. So we look at generosity as being bigger. We look at it as being greater in the fact of more money but I want you to see generosity through the eyes of God, and that is this. Give your all. Think about that. Generosity to God is giving your all. Why? Because you give God a thousand. He walks on the streets of God. We think, well, that's a generous gift. God doesn't require that kind of gift. He wants us. Come on. He wants us. Given your all is what constitutes a generous or extravagant gift to God. Just plain and simply, just you. given to Him, offering up to Him all you are and ever will be. Giving Him your entire being, nothing held back, totally surrendered and given unto God. That's the greatest offering that any of us could ever bring to God. Saying, God, I want to live in that second mile. You've done so much to my life and so much I can never repay you. Now every day I want to live to serve you. I want to give you everything. You see, that's what Mary was doing that day. That's what Mary did that day that she was ridiculed for. Why? Because people don't understand. Those who don't even live in the first mile certainly can't understand those who want to live in the second mile. You go to church twice a week. What's up with that? I mean, Easter and Christmas is all you've got to go, isn't it? Oh, but I live in the second mile. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for my life. Let me tell you what he's given to me. There's such love, there's such a gratitude, there's such a praise, that you know what, if they had church every night of the week, I would be there with my family. Why? Because I love God so much. Many people don't understand, they ridicule, they laugh. They question, why should I give more than it's expected? You see, many can't grasp that. Well, he wants tithes and now you're saying I've got to give him more. No, I never said you've got to give him more. I said you give him what's required, but let me tell you something. When he starts supernaturally touching your life, your life will be changed and you won't be asked to give more, you'll be willing to give more. I've got to give more than required. Many can't grasp that because here's the deal. I thought God wants to bless me. Well, he does. Well, if he's blessing me and I've got to give it back, I'm not really being blessed. Come on, say blessed to be a blessing. That's why God wants to bless you, not so you can just sit there and gather in your millions and make your life so comfortable and live what? Selfish. Doesn't mean that we can't have for ourselves. We discovered, I believe, a couple of Wednesday nights ago that God says there'll be bread for our house. It's going to be blessing for our house, but you know what? God's not giving it all to us. That's why He says, there's not enough for you to contain it. For what reason? It's not all for you. It's not all for you. Many can't grasp that. Hold on a second. So God wants... Okay, I'm giving. I'm paying my tithes. So God's going to bless me. But now you want to get... No, no, no. Come on, come on. I mean, if I'm going to be blessed, I've got to keep, 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 keep. But you notice what happens as you pay your tithes and you are blessed. You know what you can do? You can give more. And you can give more, and you can give more. And you know what happens? God returns more, more, more into your life. I've used this illustration probably four or five times, but let me give it again. A guy had a problem. He was making $50 a week. He had no problem giving God five. God increased his salary to $500 a week. He had no problem giving God $50. I asked you that because I couldn't think right for a moment. But he had a problem and he went to the pastor. He said, Pastor, I've got a problem. I'm now making $5,000 a week. And I'm struggling to give God 500 Would you pray for me? And the pastor said, Sure, let's pray. Lord Jesus, reduce his salary back to $500 a week so he can honour you with his gift. It's amazing. You see what's happened? We're praying for the blessing of God and God has given it to us. But then what do we do? We're grudging his return. That's not a heart of gratitude and thanks to God. That's a heart with a wrong motive. And I've said this before, if you can't pay your tithe of $10, you'll never pay it off 100 And if you can't pay it off $100, you will never pay it off $10,000. Or when I get to that place where I can tie. God says, be faithful right where you're at. Amen. If you can't be faithful where you're at, you'll never be trusted or entrusted with greatness. That day, as Mary pulled out that oil, the oil was just a token it was just that which represented the fact that all of her heart was God's. That's a gift a selfish-hearted person could never hope to give or ever understand. So let me quickly recap as I close this morning. Tiding is the first level. Tiding is the first mile. Hopefully and prayerfully, every one of you in this place get to that level. I really do hate statistics, but you know, I guess statistics can also paint a pretty accurate picture when done right. But they tell us statistically that in the church, in America, Christians in America, that they give 1.7% to God. They don't give 10%, they give one7 Or rather, 1.7%, let me say it right, 1.7% of Christians in America pay their tithes. That's pretty alarming. 1.7% of Christians in America pay their tithes to God. I'm not talking about tipping God the occasional five, ten bucks here and there. I'm talking about those who give God his portion, return to him that which is already his. And we look around us today and we wonder what the church is in the state it I'm not bringing the church down to financial means but let me tell you something. Too many churches today have struggled to do what God has called them to do because they don't have the financial means to do it. Why? Because 1.7% are paying the And A lot of people can say, well, the only reason 1.7% are paying the tithes is the signs of the times. No, it's not. It's nothing to do with the signs of the times because the Bible says God doesn't change and that means his ability is not connected to the Dow Jones. His ability is not connected to the state of the stock market or our economy. Hello? God's supernatural blessing is able to get through. If you're faithful wherever you're at, God can get it back to you. If you think you tithe, here's a good way to check. A lot of people think they tithe and they're disappointed or shocked when they realize they're not really tithing. Compare your contribution statement with your annual gross income the end of the year, you'll get a contribution statement from our church. Compare that with your gross annual income and see if you've given 10%. It's a real simple calculation. That will give you a complete picture of what you do. Many think they tithe, where they're not even coming close. And what are we doing? We're robbing God of his opportunity to give supernaturally and provide for our lives. So we see the first level, the first mile. But then there's the second mile the offerings, the extra mile. Usually those who get to the first level will usually, more than often, will also step into the second mile. So those who are paying their tithes usually will also progress onto the second level. Why? Because through their tithe they have proven God to be faithful. They have experienced a supernatural outpouring from God. They've seen the windows of heaven, as we read in Malachi 3.10, being opened in their lives, that blessings have come, and therefore now they know the rewards of those who give. So now they love to give, they love to bring, they love to go above and beyond. They desire to live in the extra mile. But there's also a third mile, or really a third level, which we're not going to talk about today, because I believe it would scare many people, But there's also a third level I believe in our giving and that is called the extravagant gift. Or as someone greatly said, the painful offerings. That's when God asks us to give perhaps everything financially that we have to trust Him. I know of testimonies where God has asked people to do that and they've done that. And God in one year gave back to them what they collected in 20 years previous. That's a gift. That's a painful gift. But notice this, God's not taking anything from you that He cannot give it back to you in a greater way. Today, my desire for you is that your heart would respond like Mary's. That every one of us would have a heart like Mary's instead of looking when it's the tithe time and the offering time. Instead of us saying, oh man, that's a waste. I can't... That we would have a heart like Mary's and say, God... Is there any way that I could give a little more today? God, I want to give more, that you'll step out in faith, that you'd give above and beyond. And again, please believe me, this is not for me. This is not for the church. This is not the reason I am preaching messages or teaching on subjects like this. It's that your life will be blessed. That your home will be blessed. Why? Because these are principles of God's Word that works. I want to be a Mary. I want my home to be Mary's home. I want to have a heart that looks for the opportunities to go above and beyond what is just required, returning to God what is already His and step into that which is an offering. I pray that every one of us in this place will have Mary's story become our story. She didn't come with a hidden agenda. She just wanted to express her love. Generosity doesn't give to receive, but it's always rewarded by God. So let's recap one last time. Look at this. The tithe is returning to God, that which is already His. But the offering is above that and it's an expression of our love, our gratitude. That we look and say, God, you've given me to me already so much that God, there's no way that I could give you that which you ask. But today we've also heard that there is a way that we can give exactly that which God asks, and that is by giving our all to God. Making a commitment to say, God, no matter what, I'm going to trust you with my life. God, I'm going to be found in the house of God. I'm going to be found with my family. In the house, I'm going to make such a commitment and going to make such a new commitment to you, Gods. <laughs> That, God, I will be everything that you want me to be. That, God, I'll live in the second mile. Would you stand at your feet this morning? If you feel comfortable doing it, would you just lift your hands right now? Come on, just lift your hands as a surrender, and as a sacrifice to God. Come on, right now, in your own words, in your own way, why not just begin to tell God, I surrender my life completely to you again?